Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope it's a payday. For you, how about that? That'd be awfully fun, wouldn't it? This payday? I know it is uh, for some people close to me, so I'm excited for them and excited for me. Love payday. Payday's like the best day of all time. Sleep a little bit better after payday. So I hope that's you. Give you a couple updates on some things. I told you guys that I had an opportunity to interview Chris Lamontis and Ron Polk earlier this week. Interview John Cohen last week. Going to interview a couple of Bulldog assistant coaches on Friday if things go as planned. And uh, that'll be the final interviews for the book. There are 22 chapters now in the can. They've been edited. I will get those edits back. 
review that, either sign off on them or make some other changes. I'll also, later today, by the time you guys are listening to this, I'll be writing the Ron Polk chapter and then finalize the final chapter some point this weekend. Got some other stuff I got to do too. And then next week, maybe I'll have a little time to breathe. I've been working on this book now a long time. I say a long time. Lots happened in a short amount of time. I've again, you know, we, we sat down when we got back from Omaha and said, okay, we're going to take a look at this and go ahead and get going. Kind of laid out a plan, begin to kind of break it all out. So just to give you guys kind of some clarity on this. So I guess it was around July 8th when I started, you know, kind of laying this thing out. And now here it is uh, August 19th or August 20th. And we're going to be, after today, we'll be one chapter away from being done. So there's a lot of work that's been done. This is the longest book that I've written. It is one that uh, is extremely detail-oriented. The first chapter is a Mississippi State baseball history. You know, it's kind of like, hey, we won a NAFL championship, but in order to kind of appreciate what we've done, we've got to talk about where we've come from. And that first chapter will get you up into the hiring of Ron Polk. And then Polk will take you kind of through the early years and then ultimately his full tenure. And then we'll have a, a chapter with John Cohen that'll take you up until the hiring of Chris Lamonis. John had some very candid things to say about his own hiring here at Mississippi State, about the hiring of Andy Canizaro, the hiring of Chris Lamonis. Chris Lamonis had some candid things to say about that process himself. Then we'll have a chapter for each week of the season. Take it all the way through a NAFL championship. And then finally a chapter just to kind of tie it all up. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been an awful lot of work. Most of my books, the full books, have uh, been about 75,000 words. They're around 300 some odd pages. This one's going to be longer. I won't say considerably longer, but it is going to be longer. And I don't mean 80,000 words. It could be 85 to 90,000 words. We'll see. But it's going to be a much bigger book. It's going to be very substantial. I've learned an awful lot. And we, we've talked about in recent days the, um, you know, the Portico you know, segment of the show. I've been doing more of a history lesson for you guys. And uh, one of the things that I learned last night is going to be talked about today. Because I, I learned some really cool things. Many of you may already know this stuff. You know, maybe I'm late to the party, but we're going to talk about it anyway, because I'm, I'm amazed at the, the generosity and the dedication that some people have shown Mississippi State. I've had many of you reach out and say, hey, Steve, would you be willing to talk about my grandfather? Would you be willing to talk about this or that? And so a lot of good feedback about that segment. Also a lot of good feedback here as of late about the, uh, you know, the, the Wednesday Boneyard, you're about to find bomb comments of Mike Leach had several people that have reached out and said, you know what, Steve, I agree with you 100%. Of other people to say, you know what, Steve, I don't know why you let that guy bother you. I don't really let him bother me, but it bothers me when people say things negatively about Mississippi State that are not accurate. It's one thing, you know, if people just have a negative impression of Mississippi State. You know, it's, it's like one of my favorite sayings is, you know, it's almost impossible 
to reason with unreasonable people. And if people have their mind made up about Mississippi State or about me or about you or about Mike Leach, you're not going to change your minds. And so there's no point in doing that. But that said, if we don't at least answer some of that negativity with some honest reporting, then that kind of becomes the matter of record. And so that's really what my focus was with that Wednesday show is, okay, here's what was said about Mike Leach, and then here's the truth. Since that time, I have had no less than a dozen messages from people, either from Starkville or from Pullman, Washington. How about that? Some folks on the Washington State 247 site listened to the show and agreed 100%. So they were amazed at how accessible and approachable Mike Leach was when he was at Washington State. They also didn't agree with those comments. I've had other people that have shared stories about their families or their kids being out around Starkville and running into Mike Leach and him not just kind of hurriedly taking a picture or moving on, but taking a few minutes to visit. It's incredible. I won't, I won't say the name of the company because I don't want to put anybody in a bad spot here. But I had somebody else that, uh, let's just say, has some knowledge about some things that were donated to Mississippi State. And then they get a personal thank you note from Mike Leach. They didn't just get the Dear John letter. They didn't just get, you know, the little postcard. They got a handwritten note from Mike Leach. So my hope is that we have kind of nipped all that nonsense in the bud because what happens is these people, like, that was the popular narrative. Is it, well, when Mike Leach gets to Mississippi State, they're never going to see him. You know, he'll spend all his time in Key West. Well, it's just not true. It's simply not true. And I'll be honest with you, I had some of those same concerns because, you know, you hear these things, you know, and you don't have a relationship with Mike Leach. You don't have a working relationship. You don't know how he operates. And see, I don't know. I don't know. What's he going to do? Until he gets here. You know, that was one of the big things that I kind of pointed out on Wednesday. There was there a lot of people that said, hey, Mike's not going to be there for the camps. You know, the coaches will do the recruiting. And, you know, Mike just kind of lets them handle that. And and then Mike's, you know, here during the season, calls the plays, and then leaves, you know, for Christmas, comes back for bowl practices, and then, you know, leaves again. And he's back for spring football. And then he leaves again. And he's gone for four months. But that isn't that what happens. Here, I don't know what happened at Lubbock. I don't know what happened at Pullman, Washington, but I know what's happening here. And one of the cool things, too, is like, you know, I'd mentioned to Coach Leach, um, you know, earlier this summer, you know, I saw him at a camp and I said, hey, you know, I got a couple things going on and um, I've actually got a book I wanted him to sign for me. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be out of the country this week, but once you come by, you know, when I get back. And then rather than, you know, me having to kind of run him down, you know, after he gets back and gets settled, he, he shoots me a text and says, hey, just let me let you know I'm back in town if you want to get the book signed. He doesn't owe that to me. And so I don't think it's some act. You know, I think the only act are these people out there that are you know, pretending that they know Mike Leach and what he's up to. I've also had several people in the media that have reached out to me and say, hey, man, I'm glad you said that. Glad you did that. Glad you kind of challenged some of that. Because my experience is Mike Leach has been pretty positive, too. And that's not to say that Mike doesn't have some enemies in the media. He does. Had somebody tell me today, I said, you know what, I wish I could have said something, but I'm kind of in a precarious situation because I've got a working relationship with some of the people you're talking about. 
And so my hope is we've kind of put all that to bed. But don't listen to that trash. And that's exactly what it is. It's trash. There are some people out there that just have an anti-Mississippi State agenda. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're all Miss people. You know, we kind of know where that's going. There are a lot of people out there that are just want to be you know, provocative. They want to say negative things. They want to write negative things. And one of the reasons I think people write those negative things is, number one, they're just not good at writing. That's the first thing that I'll say. There are a lot of people that can't make it as a real writer, and so they do all this clickbait stuff. You know, they want to tease you with it. You know, they give you these, you know, these scandalous headlines, and you go read the article, and the article rarely ever matches the headlines. You know, I mean, it's one step up from a Tabulu ad on social media. You know what I'm talking about? Like those ads, it's like, you know, you know, so-and-so was abducted by aliens, and it's got like a picture of Ben Affleck, and you're like, holy smokes, Ben Affleck was abducted by aliens? And then you go look at the article, and it's not even mentioned. But that's what journalism has become to some people. You know, in order to keep a job, they got to monetize their content. So how do I generate more clicks? Well, let me just write something out there that's just scandalous and salacious, and people will click on it and read it because I'm such a bad writer that I can't make it without being some two-bit hack. There's a lot of that that goes on. There's a bunch of that in radio. There's a bunch of that, you know, in sports news. This is kind of what you got. And so Mike Leach is a bit of a big target because he is so eccentric. And so... Again, I didn't know what to expect from Mike Leach, but I've been pleasantly surprised. You know, one thing's actually we're going to get his uh, press conference a little bit, you know, later in the in the show. But you know, I was always so afraid. <clears throat> I don't want to be in that viral video. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to ask the stupid question, and then Mike Leach kind of tap dance all over my ego, and then the video gets out there, and then all you guys are kind of laughing at me. And I'm pretty self-aware, and I usually don't let things bother me, but I don't want that. I don't want any part of that. You know, because I've, I've seen some of those press conferences. I mean, Mike Leach has got some things out on YouTube, but I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that I'm not the guy that asked that question. Because there are some people that ask some dumb questions. I don't think we've got a lot of people on our beat to do this sort of thing. There are some people sometimes that ask questions that have maybe already been answered. But I don't think you've got a situation where people out here that are asking just silly questions. But, you know, when you don't know somebody and you see those videos, it kind of becomes a nightmare situation. You think, man, I'm almost scared to ask a question. But it hadn't been that way at all. He has been very gracious with us in the media. We had a great time talking with him again today. I think a lot of people have asked him, you know, questions about things that you want to know. And there are a lot of you guys that reach out and say, you know what, Steve, I wish you guys would ask this or ask that. I make all those notes. I do. And sometimes I get around to it and I ask those questions. I know when Dan Mullen was here, especially when things weren't good, many of you had questions. You know, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And sometimes those questions you know, probably deserve to be answered. And so you ask them. Because you know, I've always felt like you know, being a journalist, you know, covering you know, a beat, you've got a responsibility to your readership. And so if your readership wants to know certain things, you know, you've got to be their advocate. You've got to go stand there in a the press conference sometimes and ask a question that makes people uncomfortable. There are times that Dan Mullen deadpanned me. There were a couple times, you know, when um, <clears throat> Dontavian Lee was a running back here at Mississippi State and had a couple pretty good ball games. Like every time we put him in a game, he was productive. And I asked Dan in a post game one day, I said, you know, Dan, what's he got to do to get a little more playing time? And he just looked at me, kind of rolled his eyes, and said, he's just got to practice better. Well, you know, Coach, 
Some guys are gamers. I'm not going to sit here and try to run your job. I didn't say those things. kind of what I was thinking. But if you put a guy out there on the field and, you know, he's averaging, you know, five, six yards of carry and your other guys are averaging two, well, at some point maybe we need to de-emphasize what happens in practice a little bit. They've got to ride the hot hand. But that's a story from another day. But, again, thanks so much for all that comments and uh, the feedback. I appreciate it all, even if we don't agree. That's one thing, you know, that I feel like maybe maturity has taught me is that you know, we, can, we can disagree about things and still be friends. You know, it, and I've noticed, too, a lot of times we talk about music, some of you guys get awfully, awfully sensitive about your favorite music. I, I don't care what you listen to. I don't know what I don't you don't need my approval to listen to it but there are some bands I don't like and I can promise you there's some bands I listen to you don't like either and you know what it doesn't make me like them any less but we can agree to disagree and still be friends I think that is almost a uh, you know a refined skill these days you know there's just so much black and white in the world these days it's like you know uh, either you believe this or you don't and if you don't believe like me you're my mortal enemy I, you know, I love all you guys I don't care who you voted for. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care if you didn't go to church. That's your business. You have to be accountable for decisions you make. That doesn't mean we can't be friends. You know, some of my best friends don't share my values. And I learn a lot from them sometimes, too. I've got one friend in particular who listens to the show who uh, is probably, you know, I, I feel like I'm really more of a moderate and they're kind of an extremist and I won't say which side because I don't want you guys to judge me, but it's like, there are sometimes things will pop up and I'll say, you know, I, I, before I comment, because I don't I don't put a lot of things out there politically on, on, on the show or on social media. And it's not because I don't have strong opinions. A lot of times I just don't want to deal with the hassle. And I also don't want to lose you guys as friends over things that don't really matter. But when I have questions, sometimes I'll, I'll text my buddy and say, hey, listen, a lot of people are really upset about this and I'm not sure why. Can you explain it to me? And he tells me some things. It's like, hey, well, here's kind of what's going on with that. Here's what that means because, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm an old guy. You know, some, sometimes I'm not aware of what's going on in the world. I live in the big maroon bubble. Sometimes it's 18, 19 hours a day, Mississippi State all the time. If I'm lucky, I get to go watch some Netflix. But I have learned from my friend, even if it's just something as simple as just kind of learning the other side's opinion. And so I think it's important to do that. And I, I wasn't always that way, to be honest with you. Used to, you know, whatever I thought, that was the end of it. You know, my opinion was mattered most. But I've learned a lot by being willing to listen. I want to thank you guys, too, at uh, the Support Bulldog Burger Company. A lot of great food there. If you haven't been in a while, you need to go. Three great locations now to serve you. You know, it all started right here on University Drive in Start Vegas. Then it grew to Gloucester Street and Tupelo, and now Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. You're going to be glad you went in there. A lot of great reports, man. And listen, nobody does it better when it comes to portions. You know, a lot of people are thinking, you know what, Steve? Uh, you know, I go out here and I spend my 10, 15, you know, bucks for dinner or for lunch, and uh, I always walk away feeling a little bit unfulfilled. That's not going to be the case at Bulldog Burger Company. They're great. Great food, great portions. Great prices, great service, great atmosphere, great locations. The folks that run these establishments know what they're doing. They know how to feed people. And that's what you want. Because after a long week, sometimes the, last, the, the first thing that I want to do when I get a chance to kind of get my hands around my family 
is, you know what, let's go out to eat and let somebody else kind of do the cooking and wait on us a little bit. And let's just kind of enjoy being together. A good night out at dinner is difficult to beat. And there's not a better family-friendly place than Bulldog Burger Company. Go check them out today. Have the pimentology, add bacon, find your own favorites. Not a bad thing on a menu. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what Mike Leach had to say today. So I asked the question about Jordan Davis. And I know that Mike doesn't like talking about injuries, and he kind of gave me a no response. Yeah, there's no update on that. And we have to ask the question, though, you, because you guys, as our readership, you want to know, hey, what's going on with Jordan Davis? Now, Jordan has since made some comments on social media that kind of lead you to believe that all these rumors are true. I firmly believe that they're true. As I share with you guys on Monday show, after watching him go down in the scrimmage game on Saturday – it really looked bad. His body language wasn't good. You know, initially, they're down there kind of messing with the ankle, and you think, okay, listen, the farther down on a leg they go, the better I want to feel. You know, get away from that knee. But when they put him up on the cart, and he just kind of rides with his head down, and you know, people aren't coming up talking to him, it was concerning. One of the things I'll share with you guys, too, when Jaden Wiley went down in the spring game, you had that sprained MCL, I mean, we didn't even make it to sundown before, you know, some people were saying, hey, he's going to be okay. He's, he's going to be okay. Well, we didn't get those messages with Jordan Davis. And that's always one of the things that I look for. You know, because, listen, there are people that know that you guys are freaking out. And they know that you care. And they really want to reassure you when they can. But in this situation, we didn't get that reassurance. And so, yeah, it's out there. It's been reported, you know, according to sources. You know, we got a lot of those same sources, too. Yeah, but I thought, let's get Mike Leach to give us an official confirmation. Mike didn't want to do that. You know what? That's okay, too. Because here's the thing. If he does it now, because all of a sudden that sets a precedent, and it's like, well, you know, well, Mike, well, you told us Jordan Davis was out for the year. Why not tell us about this guy? And so we didn't get the confirmation. We also didn't get an update on Landon Gidry. But Landon Gidry, who is, uh, I guess, running third-team safety, Saw him get, you know, when I got to practice last week, there was one day last week, I can't remember what day it was, but he didn't look good. You know, he's out walking around with one of the trainers, you know, like he's just trying to shake something loose. You know what I mean? Maybe trying to clear his head a little bit. Don't know. Like he was trying to catch his breath. And then now he's had surgery. Going to have another one in eight weeks. So I think it's pretty safe to say Landon Gidry's not going to play football for Mississippi State this year. But Mike didn't comment on that. And that's not an indictment on Mike. You know, that's the thing about, you know, players nowadays with social media. You know, a lot of times they kind of take control of their own announcements. And it's not just with recruiting. There are a lot of players who just kind of put it out there. It's like, hey, I'm out for the year. Thanks for your support. Pray for me. I got a long road ahead. Appreciate your support. There are a lot of guys who just do that. You know, there was a situation earlier this year where I, you know, I was breaking some news about Rocket, you know, Watts from the basketball team. And as, as I'm in the middle of writing that story, he tweets it out. And you know what? I hated it. I had my story ready to go, but it's one of those things. So you want to break the news, but at the end of the day, it's their news to break. And so when those guys kind of take charge on announcements, there's not a lot you can do. All it does is kind of confirm what you're hearing. But I think it's pretty safe to say, you know, Jordan Davis not going to play for Mississippi State this year. Landon Gidry not going to play for Mississippi State this year. And the first thing that pops up is people say, man, why are we having so many injuries? We're really not having more than usual. The difference is, 
if they had had that scrimmage on Saturday and none of the media was there, most people wouldn't even know about Jordan Davis, you know, until he put something out there. I mean, yes, there are things that leak out every now and again, but if you're not able to go to practice and you're not able to observe things, you don't find out things unless somebody tells you. And so this kind of got out because all the guys in the media, guys and gals, pardon me, in the media were there. And so it's kind of hard to hide that. We all see it. You know, there's no official diagnosis or any official statement, but we all see the fact that, you know, Mississippi State's best pass rushing defensive end is carted off the field. So it becomes a topic of conversation. The Landon Gittery thing, not so much. And that's not in any way to diminish whatever pain and recovery that Landon Gittery's coming through. It's, you know, Jordan Davis, the guy who was expected to start. You know, Landon Gittery's the guy that's kind of down the depth chart. And so in no way am I trying to suggest that Jordan's, you know, pain and suffering is any greater than Landon Gidry's. In no way. Now, the loss to Mississippi State football, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you lose a starter, there's more of an impact. But everybody makes a contribution, whether it be on special teams or whether it be in a reserve role or, you know, playing against a non-conference opponent. It saves some wear and tear on your starters. I mean, it's, it's really a war of attrition in many respects. So you don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see any Bulldogs get hurt. I don't want to see any guys on the other teams get hurt. I mean, we forget sometimes our young people because, you know, we get so caught up in rooting against people. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, this guy's out for the year, so it's bad for their team. But at the end of the day, there's a young man out there to, whose dream's been shattered, or young ladies. And so yeah, I never take any glee in any of that stuff, and I hope you guys don't either. You know, it's just one of those things, you know, that, that happens from time to time. And it sometimes the lines of good judgment are kind of misconstrued when it comes to social media. You know, it's like a guy goes down, and you're like, oh, that's a big loss for them. And, and, and people say it in such a way that it's almost like you're happy it happened. I think most people feel like I do. It's like I'm never happy to see a young person get hurt under any circumstances, no matter who they play for. Just not. And listen, there are some people out there and some teams that, you know, that we play against that, uh, you know, it's difficult to root for them. They make it difficult. But that doesn't mean we should wish you well on them, and I think we all agree on that. All right, so another thing, too, that I have kind of dug around a little bit. Everybody's curious about suspensions for the Louisiana Tech game. And now, let me just go ahead and prepare you. There's going to be a handful of them, but we don't know who they are yet. I don't even believe that's been communicated to the team yet. I think, you know, why, you know, why would you do it now? Let's go ahead and let everybody kind of practice and work hard, get ready. And then once we get ready to kind of set the depth chart for Louisiana Tech, that's when you make the call because you want to get the guys that are going to play in the ball game to get the first and second team reps. You're not going to go out there and rep a guy it's not going to play. You may send that person a scout team, you know, for a week. Probably make them miss it that much more. But, yeah, we're going to have some guys suspended. That's not, that's not news to you guys. But uh, I have asked around about that a little bit. I think there's a really good chance you guys know who those guys are going to be. I, th- I don't think there's any question. You know, DeMonte Russell and Malik Heath are going to miss game one. I, I think that is probably a given at this point. You know, what happens with Emmanuel Forbes? I mean, all he did was, you know, kind of towel whip a guy that was actually running at him. You know, I don't know that I would support that, you know, the suspension. Not that anybody cares what I think, but, you know, I don't think he deserves to be suspended, even though he was, you know, visibly involved in the altercation. But, you know, a guy runs at him and falls and he whips him with a towel. I mean, is that really worth missing a game? I don't think so. But, again, I don't get a vote in this thing. You know, Aaron Brule was in the middle of that brouhaha, and that's kind of concerning, right? But, yeah, I think there will be a handful of guys. Now, you know, we had one guy transfer out of here. You know, Brandon Cunningham was a guy that was, uh, you know, 
did some things on social media that uh, kind of drew some negative attention to Mississippi State. And uh, I know he said it in a joking manner and probably had no malicious intent. But when you have something like that that happens, it is embarrassing to so many people. You can't really get out there and make light of it. You just, you just can't. You can't be crass about it. And Brandon was. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I laugh when I saw the video too. But I also understand that's probably a guy that needs some discipline. Well, he didn't agree with it. So he hit the portal. And now here we are August 20th, and I don't think he still found the team. You know, and Brandon was a guy, too, that I really thought a lot of, you know, in high school. Really thought this is a guy that needs to grow up a little bit, but he's got a world of talent. You know, once he matures a little bit and kind of focuses on his, uh, on his craft, I think he's a guy that could potentially be a National Football League player. I think he had that kind of ability. But sadly, we just couldn't reach him in time. My hope is he goes somewhere else and kind of gets it figured out, grows up, gets his degree, and has a great career somewhere. Really hope that for him, as long as he doesn't beat us in the process. But, you know, those are the kind of things you look at and you think about. But, uh, yeah, there are going to be some guys suspended. I know that's going to kind of fuel some speculation. A lot of people will say. But I, I really don't think that Mike Leach will make an announcement until right before kickoff. And probably when he make an announcement, he'll just probably have media relations, you know, release a statement, you know, right before kickoff. Because why would you give Louisiana Tech any, any tips? You know what I'm saying? As bad as we all want to know. Do we really have to know now? There's so many things that are part of public consumption these days uh, because we feel like we've got, you know, kind of the need to know and we're you know, kind of caretakers or shareholders in a program. And so we kind of want to know what's going on. But, I mean, does it really put Mississippi State at a competitive advantage to tip Louisiana Tech off that maybe certain players aren't going to play? And they can now watch that video and probably, you know, make some decisions on their own. So, yeah, that guy's probably going to be suspended. But – Mississippi State gains nothing by making a statement about that now. Nothing at all. And so they shouldn't make a statement. But in the past, that's how we've done it at Mississippi State, is they will release a statement just before kickoff. They'll have somebody waiting there next to press row, just waiting for the team to line up, and then uh, they go down there and hand out the sheet. Sometimes we'll get it a little before kickoff. You know, and at that point, once it's game day, it's too late to game plan anyway, right? I mean, it is what it is. but And so don't expect to hear anything before then. If there is an announcement before kickoff or on game day, I'll be surprised. And, again, I, I don't think Mississippi State gains anything from it. Also of note, there may be another suspension. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Not related to the fought the fight after the armed forces bowl you guys probably read with great interest that uh, tupla wide receiver trip wilson uh, alleged to have uh, been driving under the influence and so there was an article read and I, and I read some of the negative reaction to the fact that the article got written and there are a couple things i want to say about that you know it's Here's the deal is that anytime somebody gets arrested, it is public record. You know, it's in the jail docket or on the police blotter or whatever you call it these days. And so it's already out there. It's already online. And you say, well, why do they have to draw negative attention to it? Well, it's because these guys live in a fishbowl. When you play football or baseball or you do anything, you know, when it comes to college athletics, if you get in trouble, it is going to make the paper. That's just a reality of life. You don't, you don't get to live like other college kids do. You know, your roommate down the hall, who's just maybe a biology major that likes football and plays a lot of video games, that guy gets a DUI. You know, his name may go on the jail docket or in the bad dog section of the reflector, but they're not going to write a feature story about it. When you are on an SEC football team and you do anything whatsoever to break the law, it's going to be in paper. And if you were a guy that plays any snaps at all, it's probably going to be on the ticker on ESPN down there at the bottom. So everybody sitting there watching SportsCenter is going to see your name kind of you know, crawl through there multiple times. Now, the, the other thing that I'll say, and in no way am I ever going to try to diminish driving under the influence in any situation whatsoever. And I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say I never did it because I absolutely did, and I was wrong for doing it. You know, but they're, you know, <laughs> public drunkenness sometimes is part of the college experience. Not so much driving under the influence. But listen, alcohol and college kids kind of goes together. And again, in no way am I defending the action. But it's just one of those things that's going to happen. You know, when you're involved in that, when maybe you're living the typical college life, 
and you're not the typical college student, your name's going to be in the paper. And it's going to embarrass your family. It's going to embarrass everybody that knows you. And know, a lot of people say, oh, man, that's just kids being kids. You know, and then there's some truth in that. You know, but at the same time, too, when you get behind a wheel and you're intoxicated, you know, I, I got two girls that go to Mississippi State, too. And uh, they don't live on campus, but, you know, they spend a lot of time on campus. They got friends on campus. And so, you know, somebody gets behind you know, the wheel of a car and they're intoxicated, you know, you're putting my family at risk, too. Not just yourself. You know, what if you hit one of my girls? What if you hit somebody else's girl? You know, and so, again, this is, I guess it's kind of a public service announcement. You know, for young people, please, 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 please call an Uber. Call a friend. Don't put you or anybody else's life at risk. And I don't want to sit here and belabor the point like I'm beating up Trip Wilson. I'm not. You know, because I did a lot of things worse than that. But I just think it's important that we understand it, it's those stories are going to be written. There's no, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Along those lines, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, today, Friday, you're going to have six Kentucky players in court. And we think, oh, my gosh, this happened. If, let, me, let me read you what happened in Kentucky. And I don't know if some of you are scared to death of Kentucky, which I still don't understand. According to police, on Saturday, March 6th, this goes all the way back to March, four months ago, there was a private party being thrown at a residence. During the party, three individuals entered the residence uninvited and were asked to leave. The individuals became upset and threatened that they would return. Police say a short time later, three individuals returned with additional subjects. The group forced their way into the residence. One suspect was observed pointing a firearm at a victim. Police say Tisdale has an added charge one of the players of wanton endangerment because they say he was identified as a suspect with the gun. Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops provided the following statement. I am aware of the situation that arose today out of respect for the legal process. I cannot comment on the charges. We have been aware of this matter since March as we withheld the players from team activities while a student conduct review was held. Based on the outcome of that review, the players returned to activity in June, so it seems like maybe they just didn't substantiate the allegations. But the criminal charges are still pending. We are evaluating the current situation as we receive more information. So, you know, to be honest with you, again, not trying to uh, in any way belittle the DUI, but uh, this is a much different deal here. The players involved, Joel Williams, Vito Tisdale, Ernest Sanders, Reuben Adams, uh, Jutton McLean, Andrew Phillips. Those are your suspects. And um, again, you know, we, we talk a little bit about drinking and driving and that sort of stuff too. You guys just put the guns down, okay? I mean, it, it's, we've been talking about this forever and a day. Why do you have to go somewhere you're not invited? And listen, there may be extenuating circumstances. I don't know. But to go back with a weapon as a private citizen to a party where you've already been asked to leave, that's just asking for trouble. It's absolutely asking for trouble. And listen, we're not alone. We're not alone with, you know, having some kids do some silly stuff. Uh, I'd much rather deal with, uh, you know, the typical public drunkenness and that sort of stuff or minor in possession than deal with, you know, gunplay for sure. But it's happened all over the country. And college athletes simply are held to a higher standard as they should be. Many of them are going to school for free, which makes this all much more infuriating. It's like you have been given every opportunity in the world to get, you know, a lead on life, 
and this is what you do with that opportunity. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, you know, there aren't young people out there doing the right things, but it's just one of those things you wish you could just take and shake them and say, listen, guys, whatever argument you're having right now, whatever took place, if somebody stole your phone or whatever, your, your girl's in there with somebody she's not supposed to be, all that is temporary. But when you go get a gun and all of a sudden the police have to be called, you know, you're thankful nobody got hurt, but all of a sudden temporary situation becomes a permanent problem. And those are the things you look at and you just think, man, guys, please, please use some better judgment. A lot of that. All right, so let's get into what Mike Leach had to say a little more uh, now that we're done with that because I, I guess it just blows my mind. All right, so, and you can read the full transcript of uh, Mike Leach's trans, of his uh, press conference on Thursday over at jeanspage.com for free. And so one of the things that he was asked about, hey, what do you want to get accomplished this Saturday in a scrimmage? And as of now, we are still invited to come. He goes, just improvement, steady improvement. Then we go into the mock game week where all the periods are the same as game week. And so it's been, next week is basically a, a, you know, a dress rehearsal. And again, I don't know how much access to practice we're going to have because I'm sure at this point we're starting to kind of settle the depth chart, start working some formations, probably do a little bit of game install. So we hit next week kind of running wide open. So, you know, mock game week allows us to kind of, you know, work out any kinks that we have. So next week it's all about Louisiana Tech. We'd like to be in a good position to do that, um, have a good, crisp, well-executed scrimmage. Now, one of the things that he had told us on Saturday is that, you know, he'd like to see some sustained execution he called it streakiness and he goes yeah we've improved a little bit it's a constant battle no matter who is doing it best he's talking about offense and defense so that led me to ask him you know kind of as an offensive minded guy you know, a guy that really you know is trying to scheme up the defense what are you seeing from the defense and he says and this is this is music to bulldog ears right here i think they've improved you kidding me you know we, we were great last year <laughs> Uh, and we were missing a lot of pieces. And I think maybe that's where the improvement kind of stems from is the fact that, you know, we've got, you know, a full roster of defensive players to kind of pull from. I think we've got a little more depth. We certainly should have some more at safety. We've got more people contributing. Now, then it gets tough to say. Offensively, you're improving too. You hit some stalemates there a little bit. I think both sides are better than last year by a significant margin. Now, Mike Leach is not a guy that um, is the coach speak guy in many respects, and he's also not the sunshine-pumping guy. He's also not the poor-mouthing guy. Usually if he tells you something, you can pretty much take it to the bank. If he tells you the offense is looking better, in his mind they're looking better. He's not going to tell you, hey, let's tell everybody the offense is looking great so they'll go buy season tickets. I mean, that's not going to be, you know, his angle there. And so that's encouraging to me. And he mentioned the stalemates. I followed up and says, hey, but as a coach, don't you want those stalemates? And he goes, yeah, you want them trading plays. If one side dominates, maybe they did a heck of a job, but it means you're struggling on the other side. You'd like them trading plays instead of long streets. That's how I've always looked at it. That's exactly what you want. If one side of the football, if one unit's dominating the other one, then one of them isn't any good at all. You know, we've been through that before. Everybody's like, oh, you know, and our defense is going to be so great. We try to make ourselves feel better because they would dominate the scrimmages. And it got to be that under certain coaches, the defense would play so well because the offense was so anemic, they just closed practice and wouldn't let us come. 
because I think it's led to more questions. Get, you know, coach, you know, defense has been dominating all camp. What's going on with your offense? Well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, how many times can they say, is, well, you know, our defense is really good. Well, you know, the defenses you're going to play are really good too. And some of them are going to be great. So I respect Mike Leach for, you know, shooting straight there. And it's nice. It's, it's interesting too. There's some people out there that have this perception is, hey, man, you just got to keep it real. Well, you know, keeping it real doesn't always mean being negative. You know, sometimes keeping it real is positive too. Sometimes you can be honest and the truth actually be a positive thing. It's difficult sometimes for you know, people to understand that concept. It's like they're only honest when they're griping and, you know, matching our negativity. They're not honest when they're telling us, hey, it's looking, a little bit, looking okay. Uh, one of the things I ask him, too, is about energy. You know, he always talks about, um, <clears throat> you know, having energy in practice, being excited to play, that sort of stuff. And he says, uh, I think as far as playing hard and being competitive, as far as being excited to be out there, I think we're doing a really good job. And that's when I followed up and I said, Coach, you always talk about be the most excited to play. And we've all seen the videos. Mike always talks about that. You know, always be the most excited guy to play. And so I asked him, these guys that have been in the in a system for a year, been in the culture, are they elevating their play in that respect? And he goes, I definitely do. I think we had some addition by subtraction, and I think we had more time to work and steady off seasons. Now, that's an important statement for a couple reasons. Yeah, you had spring practice and you had a normal summer. And so there's been some continuity and guys have kind of gotten back into a regular routine. But let's go back to this addition by subtraction. We had some guys last year. I'm not going to mention any names, all right? And I know that's going to lead to some speculation. That's okay, too. You know, we had some guys last year on the team that were kind of malcontents in the locker room. It, it's a lot more fun to go practice when you know that the rest of your teammates are also excited to practice. You know, when I've got guys out there throwing their helmets and threatening to quit and cussing out coaches, you know, is it fun to go to practice when that happens? No, it's not. Especially if you're serious about it. You know, hey, I want to go win. And I got somebody over here being selfish. I got somebody over there being self-centered and how they act and they don't get their way, so they throw a fit. We got to stop practice and it's a distraction to the rest of the team. Well, that's not happening this year. We've been at every practice. I've missed two, had a couple of appearances, but when I hadn't been there, Mike Nemeth and Paul Jones have been there. I mean, if, if, if anything was going to break out, we're going to be there to cover it. There's just nothing like that. You know, we had the little, you know, dust up in practice a few days ago before the scrimmage, and that's just, you know, we put the pads on, all of a sudden guys are out there instead of leaning against each other, they're popping each other a little bit. So, yeah, so temper's flared a little bit. That's just part of being a competitor. Wasn't any, any malice behind it. Just time to roll. But those are the things that I, I begin to kind of think about as we begin to move this thing forward is that, you know, we just don't seem to have a lot of bad actors on the team. We just don't. And last year it was completely different. There were some times last year, I mean, just, you know, kind of talking to some of our staffers. I mean, there, there were some people you kind of walked around almost on eggshells to avoid because you just never knew. And I had somebody very, very close to the program tell me last spring, is it, hey, Steve, there's going to be some guys lead the football team this year, and they're going to be names you know. They're going to be names that our fans know, and people are going to be shocked. But Mike Leach is not going to put up with all of this temper tantrum stuff from certain players. And he didn't. 
and you're reaping the benefits from that now. Because one of the firm things that I, I believe in in life, kind of a foundational standard for living, is you train people how to treat you. And so if people find out what you're willing to put up with, they're going to kind of live up to that. But if a guy's out there, you know, hollering and screaming, throwing his helmet, threatening to quit, and, you know, jumping on this guy or whatever, and always got something to say and blaming somebody else, and you let that happen, like Leach always says, either you're you're coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. That's kind of what he's talking about. You're allowing this to happen. And so you fix it. And you hold people accountable. And the rest of the team... When they see that guy that's maybe a little more emotional, a guy that gets uh, elevated at times when things get a little bit, you know, tough, they're all watching him to see how to act. And say, you know, if, if Coach will let him get away with that, he'll let me get away with it. Well, you're just not having that this year because you don't have anybody out there that want to fit. And, yes, we've had some of that the past three years. We had a lot less of it last year, but we still had some. 2019, we had a lot of it. We had a bunch of it. In case you've forgotten, two of our star players got into a fist fight in the middle of bowl practices. It was a product of the culture. And I know there are some players that were upset with me when I said that. And I still stand by it. We had culture issues under Joe Moorhead. No matter how good a leadership we had or the best efforts of some of our veteran players, we had culture issues. Because why else would two players feel like, after they've already been separated, feel like it, it is acceptable for them to get in a fist fight and practice with their coaches and the other teammates watching? Why would they think that is okay? It's not like they're just you know completely oblivious to the standards of life. They're just some things socially you don't do. And, you know, sometimes you have guys, you know, bring a little pepper to a, uh, you know, to a practice session, but it gets over. But the fact that the whole thing was over, it was, the, the conflict was done, and then next thing you know, we, we're engaging and, and going again, and we're throwing licks, and then we lose our quarterback, who was guilty too. And Garrett Schrader wasn't some angel. You know, it's like a lot of times, we, you know, we, we find guys and we root for them and say, hey, listen. It's my kind of guy. We don't know what kind of guy he is at all. You just know they can make some plays on the football field. Well, you know, I think he's my kind of guy. Well, he's your kind of guy because he's wearing maroon and white. That's kind of where the list ends. It's our guys and their guys. We like our guys better than theirs. Our guys are saints. Their guys are bums. But we had to correct the culture. And we had good culture when Dan Mullen was here. And Dan didn't recruit a lot of bad actors. He did. There were some exceptions. But by and large, we didn't go out and recruit that element. And so, well, you know, what I'm seeing in practice and what I'm seeing, you know, in the building, I'm seeing a lot of guys that are you know, really more committed to football. You know, we see guys around town. They got a different look on their face these days. I think there's a lot more confidence in what's going on. I think they're excited to play football for Mississippi State. Because there's not that distraction. You don't have to go out there to practice and think, is that guy going to blow up today? Are we going to have another one of those things? Are we, are we going to stop practice again while well, this guy needs to get his diaper changed? Is that what we're going to have to do again? 
Just imagine how that would be if you're serious about playing football. And maybe if you're not even a pro prospect, but you say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and give the best I can. I'm going to go win some football games this year and have a good bowl trip somewhere. And then one of my guys that I'm supposed to count on is out here constantly being a distraction in practice. And it was constant. It wasn't just every once in a while. It was all the time. Maybe it's not fair to say all the time, but it was regularly. And so now all of a sudden that negative element is removed from the equation and all of a sudden the culture improves. It's incredible what accountability does to a group of people. All of a sudden you find that, well, this is not acceptable. Okay, we're not going to put up with this. If you want to act that way, that's fine. It's like, uh, and, and listen, uh, you know, I'm going to be careful how I say this. But I had a guy tell me this one time, you know, when I was in uh, retail management, I used to talk about, you know, Man, there's some guys out here that are probably not living up to what I would expect. And I was young in, in retail management. He goes, you know, man, it's a guy named Lorenzo Hickson. He goes, you know, Steve, I'd rather have a hole than a butthole. Talking about in your staff. I'd rather be short-staffed than have to deal with all this. And, and, and I worked for a guy one time, too. He goes, you know, I'm not going to pay anybody to give me a headache. And so either you're, either you're helping the cause or you're hindering the cause. But – as a guy that's been able to observe just about all of our practices, I can tell you, you just don't see that element anymore. And as a Mississippi State fan, that should excite you. Time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler, great friend of mine, known Blair a long time. Great guy, great businessman, and here's the thing too. There's so many people out there that are so intimidated by the mortgage process. You think, man, Steve, what, I don't know what to, how to go about this. What do I do? Well, it's pretty. It's, it's really it's a convoluted process, and you need somebody to kind of guide you through. That's where a guy like Blair Chandler, with 21 years of experience, can help you. There are a lot of people out there that are kind of breaking into this industry, and you know what? You know, maybe you've got a real straightforward conventional loan. You know what? Maybe it'll work for you. But maybe you got a few warts. Maybe you got some credit repair you got to do. Maybe you don't even know how to go about this. Stick with the winners. Not saying anything negative about anybody else, but when you got a guy that is in the top 1% nationally in loan originators in the mortgage industry, that's the guy you go with. Blair Chandler been with Ferry Mortgage for a while now, one of the top five mortgage lenders in the country. A guy that can handle that hard-to-get-approved loan. And here's the thing, too, because he values doing business with Bulldogs. He's going to pay for your appraisal just by mentioning this show. So you know what? Hey, in your emails, your texts, your phone call, and say, listen, Blair, I want to give you guys a chance to get this thing done for me. I've had trouble elsewhere. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go about it. You just tell him you heard about it on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. Going to make it even easier for you guys. Matter of fact, Blair, let me know today. We had a boneyard listener in the pipeline now with Blair, boneyard listener. Said, hey, listen, I do get my appraisal paid for, right, because I heard about it on the boneyard. He's like, you absolutely do. So it's not just you know, a catchphrase. Blair means it. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever we can. I encourage you to do the same. So visit closeofblair.com. And maybe maybe today you, you're thinking, you know, Steve, I don't know if I can remember the website. Let me give you the number. Maybe pause the show or come back to it a little bit later. Or in worst case scenario, just message me. I'll send it to you. Blair Chandler, easy to reach. And uh, listen, I don't mind if you share this number. Blair won't either. Maybe you've got friends. Have, you know, maybe you've been turned down elsewhere. 
He'll answer your text or call. Blair Chandler. Closeofblair.com. All right, 10 lists. And I kind of, Roy has kind of disappointed me today. I wanted to go with some rock. Because we did NXS and we've done some pop stuff here as of late, you know, with Justin Timberlake. And I just felt like I needed to cleanse the palate just a little bit. Even though I like those artists, I just felt like it's Friday. We need to have our fist in the air. It's payday too, right? So let's let's jam some rock. And so this band I'm about to talk about, I don't talk a lot about faith with you guys. And it doesn't mean that I don't have it uh, because I do. I'm not ashamed of it by any stretch of imagination. I'm happy to talk you know, theology with any of you folks. And, and, e- and again, even if we don't agree, we can still be friends. It's true. I got a lot of people that don't believe the way that I do. They're in my life. I don't cut them out. I don't see them as people that I can't learn from, you know, or perhaps that uh, they can learn from me. Just don't, just don't do it that way. And so the band I'm about to talk about is uh, a band that actually brought me closer to God uh, back when September 11th happened. I'd kind of heard of the band. And I liked a couple songs early on, but their their fourth album, I guess it was, and their most successful album was released on 9/11. It's kind of an ironic thing, and there were a lot of young people around the world that uh, that really gravitated to this album. It is their best-selling album, and um, it is a Christian rock band. And most people don't even realize they're a Christian rock band. They absolutely are. It's a band called Payable on Death better known as P.O.D., out of uh, San Diego, California. And uh, Sonny Sandoval goes all over the country with Lacey Sturm, formerly a Flyleaf, and uh, Brian Head Welch from Corn. They have an organization called the Whosoever's, and they go out and give their testimony, and they talk about their lives and all the things they've gone through. And I don't know if you guys know this, Lacey Sturm actually spent some time on the Mississippi Gulf Coast as a young girl. The teenager, I guess. But uh, So they are doing a lot of good in the world, and kind of carrying the banner for their for their own faith. And so, even if you don't share the same faith that I do or they do, you can still enjoy the tunes. But uh, here's the thing that I'll say. There are a lot of people, and uh, this may, you know, may ruffle some feathers, but there is a lot of Christian rock stuff or Christian music that is simply not good. And you say, well, Steve, what are you talking about? It's just not. And, and the reason that it's not more mainstream is because it's just not as good. And I don't know if it's because the record companies just don't put production value money behind these artists or support them. And there's some of it is absolutely great. I was a huge Michael W. Smith fan for years and years and years. Years. Love Striper, love Petra, love Bloodgood. A lot of those bands. Sonic Flood. Great. Delirious. And so some of them are really good. But sometimes the production value and the quality to songwriting and the music is just not. This is a mainstream rock band that is carrying a very positive message with Christian principles. And a lot of their songs are about Jesus Christ himself. But next thing you know, the people are listening to it and are like, wait a minute, is this about Jesus? You know, it is. You know, and one of the things that's kind of heartbreaking too is like, uh, you know, I, I like Flyleaf a lot, uh, especially when Lacey Stern was there. And uh, she actually does a a part on a new song from Love and Death, which is Brian Head Welch's side project, a song called uh, Let Me Love You. Lacey Sturm is on that one. It is phenomenal. But when Lacey Sturm uh, had the huge hit all around me, and it's, it's a song about God and about her own Christian faith, I read recently there was a, a tweet about it, and somebody said, it, it really disappointed me to find out this song was about God. And I think to myself, number one, it can be whatever you want it to be. 
But where are we as a society when, you know, somebody is singing about their own faith and we're disappointed? We're disappointed. Oh, I hate to hear this. It's a great. I love this song until I found out it was about God. Yeah, listen, this, the problem isn't a song and the problem isn't Lacey Stern. The problem is you. It's like you are the issue. Look in the mirror. All right. So here are my top 10 POD songs. And again, um, payable on death is what it stands for. And um, that is basically about, you know, your sins and your mistakes. You know, your debts were paid when Jesus Christ was crucified. That's what it means. Payable on death. All right, and so I got a couple honorable mentions. Here we go, and then the song Satellite, and then Murdered Love. And that's about the crucifixion of Christ, you know, the day they murdered love. All right, so number 10, this is a, this is a big hit, I guess, off of, um, I can't remember the name of the album, but it's uh, Will You. That's a good one. Uh, number nine is Lights Out. That, that was probably, didn't get the airplay that it deserved. I think that is a great tune. If I'm not mistaken, it's on the Greatest Hits album. But that's one that I think probably should have been a bigger hit. Number eight, Set It Off, is one that wasn't released as a single. It's a deeper cut on the album Satellite that was released on 9-11. Dig that one a lot. Number seven, Goodbye For Now. And if memory serves me correct, Sonny Sandoval wrote this about his mother. You know, because, you know, you know, the passing of the physical sense on earth is only a temporary thing, even though it feels much worse. And so when Sonny Sandoval was just a teenager, I guess he was 17, 18 years old, his mom was a devout Catholic, and she tried to keep him in church, going to Mass and things like that. He rejected it. And then through her own fight with cancer, you know, he became very involved in the church. He became very inspired by her courage. And so after she passed away, you know, he said that he would... He would honor, you know, her wish in many respects and uh, stay in church. And then he eventually converted to Christianity and uh, does a lot of great things ministry-wise out there. All right, number six, and this is on their third album, which was uh, their first major release. It's an album called The Fundamental Elements of Southtown, and this is um, Rock the Party, was the second single off that album. Southtown is South San Diego. You know, they lived in a rough neighborhood, and uh, so this is kind of what that album is about, about some of the things they grew up with. But Rock the Party was actually a huge hit for them. It went to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was like uh, like this Total Request Live videos. It seemed like it was number one forever in a day. All right, number five, and this is one, one of my favorite songs in the catalog, and it didn't get a ton of radio play, uh, but it's Going In Blind. It's just really about one of those things, man, when life just seems to be beating you up. I just don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to this situation blind, trying to show some faith. I'm scared. I'm going to trust, but at the same time, too, I'm human. And uh, there are a lot of times I listen to a song, and, uh, man, I get a little emotional. Because it's like, you know how it is? Just, there's a song for every mood. And this is just one of those ones, when I'm just in the right mood, it hits me just right, man, it... Sometimes it heals me. Other times it reminds me how broken I am. Number four, going back to the fundamental elements of Southtown, it is the somewhat title track, Southtown. This is the song that really made me fall in love with P.O.D. I didn't know where Southtown was. I didn't know what they were talking about. I just knew that their sound was a little bit different. They're kind of a new metal thing, you know, because they're kind of, you know, rap. And and, um, at the same time, too, they're, they're, they're very, their tuning guitar wise is a lot deeper than most. 
So it's not always this happy-go-lucky stuff. But Southtown just seemed like, you know what, this is an aggressive song. I can dig it. And that's what they're trying to do as a band, is they're trying to play songs that attract people, believers and non-believers alike. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you just hear a great song, and the next thing you know, you listen to it over and over again, then you're singing along to it, and you kind of figure out what's going on. And so the final three are all off the Satellite album. And uh, this is one of those albums. So Fundamental Elements of Southtown sold a million copies, and then Satellite, the follow-up, sold three million. And then Payable on Death, I think, went gold. Payable on Death was also kind of a, a controversial album cover because uh, Sonny believes in kind of bringing the guys from the neighborhood along, and so there was some Latin artists that did some, some cover art for them. And a lot of people thought that the image on Payable on Death was somewhat pagan, so they didn't carry it. And I'm sure it hurt sales. I mean, that's just part of the deal. But, um, you know, all this stuff's kind of interesting to me, too. Sometimes we're just a little bit too, you know, I think we're too cognizant sometimes in our witch hunts. It's like, well, let me go. These guys, they sound too much like the world, so there's got to be something else to them here. There's got to be something. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I hate that stuff, man. I do. I hate it. Why can't we just enjoy things for what they are? Well, we always got to look for something ulterior. All right, but so... These next three thongs are huge, and um, I think about those kids in, in 9-11, because, you know, it's one of those things when we all went home. I, I Listen, I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and all of a sudden all this stuff's going crazy, and all of a sudden they're, they're canceling schools, and they're sending everybody home, and all the federal buildings are being locked down. We didn't know what was going on. We just knew we were under attack. And I remember going home, and I am watching TV and watching all that coverage for days upon days, and I worried so much about the world that I was going to, you know, pass along to my children. You know, what are they going to do? And I remember just being so emotional thinking about, you know, Ani was just a kid. And I was starting to think to myself, well, what happens, you know, if this thing really goes off the rails and, you know, we're at war with the world? And, you know, what if he has to go fight? You know, what if, you know, what if they reinstitute the draft? I mean, it's just all that stuff that goes through your mind. And so that satellite album brought me a lot of peace. And even to this day, when I put that on, it takes me back to that. And it's like, it's such a... It builds such strength in me to listen to that album. And I think it's because I was so vulnerable, I could, I could listen a little bit better. You know, because sometimes we think we got the world figured out. And I think we all found out after 9-11 that we are not in control, that we're just kind of along for the ride. And so the song Youth of the Nation, this is your number three song, Youth of the Nation, there are a lot of young people that, that really spoke to them. And it's a song about, you know, the school shootings at Columbine and other places. But it's just an incredible song and I think it became anthemic to so many young people because there was such a feeling of patriotism in America at the time and I really felt for those kids I really did I thought look at what we have done look at what our generation has done you know well Steve you know we got attacked and we did but you know at the same time too you know what about our leadership you know we've got to do some things too to ensure the world's a more peaceful place and I know that's kind of Pollyannish at times too but there's a lot of international policy and some things we could do a lot better. Number two, a song that uh, was absolutely huge for them, and uh, it was on heavy rotation on MTV back when they still played music, and it's a song called Alive. And it is basically just kind of this unabashed, unashamed declaration of belief in God. That's what it is. It's like, I feel so alive, and... I'm not going to deny you no matter what they say. I and mean, it's, it's really kind of in your face. And it's so atypical 
for a lot of Christian music. It really is. And the fact that the song was such a huge hit, if, you know, if you're a believer in Christ and you're a believer in, in God and in church and those kind of things, why wouldn't we celebrate that? You know, the fact, okay, this is a song about faith and honoring your faith that is being played all over the world and on every radio station, rock station in the country, and this message is being sent out there, or, or, or we're just unhappy because it's not on K-Love only. You know, that, that, that stuff, it's just, I, I just think to myself, let's stop, you know, hiding it under a bushel. We were taught that in Bible school, right? This was a lot of mine. Remember the little story of the song, right? Why do we want to hide it? All right, so the number one song, and uh, I love it. Matter of fact, the first chapter in the new book is named after a line in this song. We used to have it as the pregame soundtrack at Davis Wade Stadium. The song is called Boom. Usually people call it Here Comes the Boom. Chapter number one in the book Dogpile, The Boys from the South. I absolutely love this song. I listen to it all day today on repeat, preparing for this. Went back and listened to a bunch of POD stuff today. And then I, and once I kind of got my list together, I said, you know what? I'm rocking boom the rest of the day because it is a masterpiece. I absolutely love that song. If that doesn't get your heart pumping, nothing ever will. And I love the fact that we used to use it. I hope part about, you know, here comes the boom. Here come, ready or not, here come the boys from the south. And it, it, they were talking about South Town, but it applied to us too. I thought it was super cool. And uh, I wish there was somebody out there that I wish I had the time and the know-how. I'd make my own Mississippi State baseball video to this song just you know when they do the little celebration after a home run everybody goes boom i would time it up and it would be amazing and everybody would love it and it would make the whole world happy all right if you have ideas for the top 10 list reach out and let me know i'm happy to, to deal with them i'm happy to do them we've got a list roy kind of stays on me steve we gotta quit freelancing gotta get on the list people are gonna get you know impatient and some of you do but you guys are good about it but if you've got ideas, let me know. Reach out on social media at Scout Steve R. And if you're looking for those lists, most of them, every one of them, I guess, since uh, last October when Roy got involved, are on Spotify at Dogmatic67. And then Izzy Mandelbaum does the iTunes stuff for us. And so it's on Twitter. And I do share it on Facebook. But uh, you guys have been killing it, man. The numbers have been through the roof lately. Uh, JT didn't do quite as what I thought it would do, but uh, it's interesting, the things that you guys enjoy. So I hope that you listen to POD. I don't think it's going to do poison numbers because it's probably a little too hard for some of your delicate ears. But again, this is a Christian rock band, so you should be supporting that. P-O-D. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, everybody up there will treat you like family. Because in their minds, you are family. Simple as that. Go by and see them today. Outfit your family in the latest in Mississippi State fashions. If you can't make it by, go visit their fine selections at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And who doesn't want free shipping, right? You're just going to get something free, for listening to a show and putting down a code? Come on, man. What could be easier in life? You work hard for your money. Why give the post office all that cash? Use BSR. Campusbookmart.net. Promo code BSR. You could shop online with other places. You could. The promo code won't work there, though. Right? So support a Stark Villian institution. 
in Campus Bookmart and save a little cash by being a Boneyard listener. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, we're going to talk about Texas A&M today. And I like this A&M team. I do. And maybe I like them because Kellen Mond is gone. I wasn't a big Kellen Mond fan, but I'll be honest with you, the guy played really well last year. I mean, people would say, well, Steve, you kind of hated on him for years. And I did. I thought he was awful. But Jimbo got him turned around, and he really had a good senior year. He's with the Minnesota Vikings now. Two years ago, if you told me that guy was going to get drafted, I'd have laughed in your face. Took four years to make him a serviceable quarterback, but he played well last year. And listen, Texas A&M probably deserved to make playoff. And some would argue against it. But I thought, what, did they finish fifth? You know, they had a good year. They did, and some difficult circumstances. But uh, A&M is expected to be a pretty good team this year, too. I don't know if I buy all the hype with them. I did last year. I really did. One of the main reasons that I like Texas A&M is Isaiah Spiller. I absolutely love his game. Listen, he is a pro back playing college ball right now. I, I love him. I absolutely do. I love everything about the way the guy runs. He has good burst. He's got it runs well behind his pads when necessary. Last year, of course, rushed for over 1,000 yards. Back in 19, we had a full season. He ran for 946. Last year, an abbreviated season, he still found 1,000 yards, 1,036. Uh, averaged five and a half yards a carry. And listen, if you're averaging five and a half yards a carry, why would you ever throw the football? My goodness. He had uh, 20 receptions for 193 yards last year, averaged 9.6. So, good job for him. Somebody's going to get a great back when this guy goes pro. I hope it's a Pittsburgh Steelers. I really do. I I love this guy's game, and he is a huge part of their offense. Now, the quarterback situation is rather interesting. Now, some people early on kind of projected – that they knew exactly what was going to happen. They said, oh, yeah, it's going to be this guy, it's going to be that guy, whatever. It's going to be Haynes King. That was kind of the consensus favorite, I think, out of spring. It was going to be Haynes King. Well, as of yesterday, it wasn't Haynes King. They hadn't made a decision yet, but the first-team quarterback is Zach Calzada right now. Zach is running first-team. Haynes running second-team. So, Jimbo says it won't linger into the season. That's the hope anyway. And, you know, that gets, that's a veteran coach. He's not going to let that happen. You know, he didn't want to have a Dan Mullen 2016 year, you know, where you still got Nick Fitzgerald and Damian Williams alternating series, even though Nick was the better quarterback. Yeah, I said it. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, so that'll be interesting. You know, Haynes King is a bigger guy. The guy that's probably more of a pro prospect. But, um, you know, we'll see how things go. And Listen, they returned so much of the skill positions offensively. Once they settled a quarterback situation down, they're going to be a good team. Are they going to be in the mix late? Probably not. But they're going to be – they could be a Florida Bowl team easily this year. I don't think – they could be a 10-win game, a 10-win a 10 team this year. we got to go down there. So that's not great. But I like the team. And, again, it's going to boil down a quarterback play. That's going to be the difference probably in, you know, maybe the Gator Bowl or the Outback Bowl. I mean, it's probably probably boils down to that. They got some dudes for sure. Defensively, they're returning most of the defense. My notes show that it's 9 of 11 starters returning. That's pretty good stuff. Mike Elko, defensive coordinator there, got a lot of guys to work with. And, listen, they were a great defense last year. And people kind of slap on A&M a little bit too. 
Guys, A&M last year allowed 317 yards, 22 points per game. The only team better against the run last year was Georgia. It's a good team, for sure. Now, McKinley Jackson, you may have heard we talked earlier in the show about some guys got in trouble. McKinley Jackson facing felony drug charges. Don't know what his availability is going to be. Don't know what those charges look like. They're really kind of uh, cryptic about all of that. You would think we would know. But, again, they're, you know, every state's a little bit different. But, uh, you know, McKinley Jackson hadn't been available. Facing felony charge. They also, the guy that absolutely ate our lunch last year, Bobby Brown, is gone. Thank goodness. And so we'll see what happens with that. So, you know, with McKinley out, I guess it's eight starters. But still, that's a lot of talent to return. Buddy Johnson's gone. He's one of the leaders that was gone. He's another guy that had a big game against Mississippi State, if I remember correctly. Uh, Aaron Hansford's a guy now expected to kind of step in there at the weak side guy and uh, do a good job. But listen, they've recruited well, especially on defense. Uh, Jalen Jones, Miles Jones, they're expected. They're, they're big, long, lean corners that can match up with X receivers outside the numbers. So, yeah, listen, this is going to be a team that's going to be a really good team. And it's all going to boil down a quarterback play. Probably the difference in being a really good team and a great team. So, let's look at the schedule real quick here. And, um, you know, it's – you look at this and you begin to ask yourself, you know, what what's going to happen with this team? And uh, they get a lot of their tougher games at home, which always seems to be the case. When, like when you've got a veteran team, it's like it all kind of works together. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you feel good about your season, it's like all the toss-up games are at your place. When you're kind of unsure about how your depth's going to be, it seems like all the toss-up games are on the road. It's just kind of how it always seems. So they open up with Kent State on September 4th. They travel to Colorado, and that, that may turn out to be a decent ball game, but A&M should be able to out-athlete them. They get New Mexico at home, and then Arkansas at AT&T. You remember that game last year? That was a wild game between A&M and Arkansas. I mean, wild. And listen, that's... I kind of like the fact they play this thing in Arlington and the fact that it would get me out of a September football game in the heat. I'd be all about that, going be in Jerry World. But I tell you, the last couple of years, that game has been one of the better games of the weekend. It has been great. So they'll play Arkansas on a neutral field, and then they host us October 2nd at their place. Don't know the time of that game yet. The next week is Alabama. So in some respects, you could look at this and say, you know what? Even though it's a home game, we're kind of in there, kind of in a, kind of in a trap situation. You know, if they're expecting a big year this year, we might catch them looking ahead to Alabama because they get Alabama in College Station too at Kyle Field. So maybe we get them looking ahead a little bit, and we'll see. I think Zach Arnett's going to have some things kind of queued up for him. It's just going to boil down how well we can play offensively. I'm not automatically counting that game as a loss. I think, you know, if I'm being honest with myself right now, it's probably a game that we'll lose. But we'll reevaluate that after the month of September. By the time we get there, who knows what we're going to look like. You know, we're going to have a pretty good idea of who we are and what our identity is by the time we get to A&M. After Alabama, they travel to Columbia, Missouri. And, again, that's a game you look at too. You know, let's say they go get their brains beat out against Alabama, and then they got to travel to Mizzou. 
Mizzou is going to surprise some people this year. Again, I don't expect them to contend in the East, but I think Eli is such a good coach. He will scheme some people up and have those guys believing. They're going to beat some – got a great quarterback too. Uh, so then A&M hosts South Carolina. That'll be a big win. And then they host Auburn. It seems like all these games are at College Station, right? Well, November 13th, they head to Ole Miss. And uh, that should prove to be a really good one. And one, see, here's the thing that I look at with that one. So A&M has a veteran defense. Ole Miss does not. And the veterans that Ole Miss has on defense don't play defense well. Isaiah Spiller will probably be the SEC player of the week if they win this game. You know, Matt Corral and those guys will scheme some things up, and it'll be in Oxford. So I I expect the barn burner of a game. I'm sure Jimbo will probably shorten the game, and that's the thing, too. People talk about how time of possession is a meaningless stat. A&M won the best teams in the country last year with time of possession. And then look at what they did, how they managed games and played so well with a lead. The next week, they'll host Prairie View A&M. Then they end the year at LSU. That's always an exciting game, too. Uh, so, you know, you look at this schedule and you begin to think, okay, where are the sure losses? You know, based on what we know right now, you know, until we know the quarterback, it's difficult to project a whole lot. Well, yeah, Alabama's probably, you know, a loss. But, you know, I don't think we can just automatically just, you know, crown Alabama the champs right, too, with a brand-new quarterback. Defensively, it should be very good. But, you know, you look at this – there's not a single game you look at here except maybe Alabama, and that's in Kyle Field that you look at and say, you know what, that's a certain loss. So A&M could really stack together you know, back-to-back really good years, and that's what they've been waiting on with Jimbo. It's one of the reasons they gave him that big 10-year contract, you know, for, you know, what, $75 million or whatever it was. I don't even, maybe more than that, I can remember. It's ridiculous numbers. But it's one of those things you begin to think, you know, is this A&M train finally getting on track here? I think it probably is. Now, they have basically been the same program as Mississippi State for much of the last decade. Does that mean they're going to leave us behind? No, I don't think so. I think we're about to elevate our game too. But I think this A&M thing is going to bring more parity in the West. I really do. So I look forward to that game. Uh, look forward to, uh, to having a chance to go back down to College Station. If you've never been to Kyle Field, let me encourage you to go. I know you see the stuff on TV, but it, it's it's a different deal going down there and kind of seeing all that together. You know, everybody hugging and, and, and singing in unison, that kind of stuff. It's different. I'm still not real big on the yell leaders. I think it's weird. You know, but I, again, I don't go to school there. I don't pay tuition there, so they, you know, they don't need my vote. I, I just It's just weird to me. But I do like going down there. I, I, I think it's basically a, a bigger version of Mississippi State when you go to A&M. It's very, very similar and College Station and Bryan are cool little towns down there. So look forward to getting down there and checking it out. If you've never been, plan to go now. Go ahead and make some plans because I don't think Texas is ever going to shut the state down no matter what they do. So kind of look ahead to that. And, if, if again, if you're on the fence about going, let me encourage you, go. Go down there and check it out. And you can go down there and say hello to Ross Bjork while you're there. All right, Portico, Brooks Bryan is our friend, your friend, everybody's friend. Brooks Bryan is a guy that we uh, will owe a debt of gratitude forever because Brooks robbed a home run that sent us to Omaha against the University of Washington. I remind him of that because sometimes Brooks forgets. He forgets that he made that great play because he's done so many great things in his life. He's like, oh, yeah, I did, I did make that catch. Steve, thank you so much for remembering. No, seriously, I think Brooks' wife told me he has it like blown up as a life-size poster in their living room wall. 
But uh, listen, Brooks is a bulldog and uh, committed to Mississippi State, committed to the greater Starkville area, trying to make it a better place to live. Part of this great group that has set up this new residential development right off of 12. So basically, you turn off of 82 on 12 like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You cross all West Point Road. There it is. Portico, your new home. It's right there. 1.1 miles from campus. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath, or you can go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. To feed any family or any need, whether it be your primary residence, or perhaps a, you know your, your weekend getaway or investment property, maybe you want to buy it and just Airbnb it out. I don't know. I don't know what your needs are. Brooks is happy to talk to you about all that stuff. And maybe you're just thinking, you know what, we're just kind of doing some due diligence. Give Brooks a call. Don't be scared. It's not like you're going down to one of these condo things and like, oh, somebody's going to win $10,000 and you leave with like a, a Wrigley's whistle or something. You know, it's not like that. He's your friend. He's just going to give you a little information. He's not going to like keep calling you and calling you and bugging you to death. And many of you have said, you know, one of these days, Stephen, I'm going to move back to Starkville. We're going to move up there. We're going to retire there. I've had some of our listeners reach out and say, Steve, thinking about retiring to Starville, what do you think? I would absolutely advise you to do that because we need as many Bulldogs around as we can get. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. I think there's one house left in phase one, phase two construction. That's all getting underway. So if you're looking to move soon, they can accommodate you. If it's something maybe you're going to do, maybe you want to come spend Christmas in your new home in Starkville. How cool would that be? Move the kids up here. They want to they go to Duty Noble every night anyway. Make Portico your next move. All right. <clears throat> so this new segment with Portico, I'm really happy with this, and I want to talk to you guys about a gentleman by the name of Dutch McCool. The name sounds familiar? It should. Everybody knows about McCool Hall. If you've been a student at Mississippi State, you know about McCool Maybe you don't know the story behind it, but you know that that is the business school. And so it's interesting how all that kind of came to be. So Dutch, his real name is E.B. McCool. They called him Barney. I think I would go with Dutch, too. Dutch is a cool name. Kind of reminds me of the Karate Kid, because Dutch was Dutch was the real smarmy guy. You know, he's even worse than Johnny. You know, it's a, the, the guy you wanted to just go stick, right? Uh, so... He played baseball at Mississippi State with Paul Gregory, earned two degrees over his uh, lifetime, and uh, was from McCool, Mississippi, down there in Atala County, near Kosciuszko. And uh, very humble beginnings. Came to Mississippi State, got a great education here at Mississippi State, played a little baseball with Paul Gregory, and then began a life of business. Went to work became one of the founders of the Holiday Inn Hotel chain. You heard that right. A guy from McCool, Mississippi, comes to Mississippi State, plays baseball, gets a degree and another one, and then helps establish one of the greatest hotel chains the world has ever seen, Holiday Inn. Doesn't it make you want to go stay at a Holiday Inn right now? Could know that there's a Mississippi State Bulldog in the middle of all that stuff? It does me. It makes me think, you know what, when it's all said and done and the, I'm, I'm picking a hotel room and the prices are, are similar, I'm just going to go to Holiday Inn because I'm staying with family, right? So back in 1972, after Mississippi State had gone to the College World Series for the first time in 1971, our first time to go, 
Coach Paul Gregory took us incredible. Duty Noble was here for many years, uh, 26 years, I guess, 26 seasons with Duty, and we could we never got to Omaha. And the granted, the part of those years when Duty was coaching, you couldn't get to Omaha. Uh, the very first College World Series, I guess, played in '47, and that was, I think, the last year that, that Duty Noble was our head coach before he went to the athletic department full time as the AD and uh, promoted Doc Patty as uh, lead assistant coach. But um, but Gregory takes us to Omaha, <clears throat> and there's all this excitement around the program. Conk there is now, even on a grander scale, right? And so we'd never been, so there's like, hey, what can we do? It's time for baseball to get to the next level. What can we do? So Dutch McCool gave money to build light standards and put up lights at Duty Noble Field. You talk about a game changer. It absolutely was a game changer. One of the first schools in the SEC to have lights, Duty Noble Field. And so now all of a sudden, instead of having to play all these baseball games at 2 and 3 in the afternoon, when a lot of your local fans couldn't be there, now you can play at night. And let's be honest, there wasn't a lot to do back then. There just wasn't a lot of entertainment. We didn't have Netflix back then. You know, so people would get off work. And they'd go watch Bulldogs play. And now they could do it because the scheduling times were a lot more convenient. And so it was one of those things that really advanced Mississippi State as a program. Because of the fact, with greater attendance, there were greater resources. They were able to kind of reinvest those resources back into baseball. What happened next is even more incredible. So President Giles was kind of working to try to get some some money approved to the IHL board to try to get some things championed to get the business school up and going. We needed a new place to house a business school. So Dutch McCool gave Mississippi State half a million dollars in 1972. You can only begin to imagine what that would be worth today. And that's why McCool Hall is named McCool Hall. And it's not named after him. It's named after his parents, Jay Ernest and Savannah Doty McCool. And then once they got... McCool Hall built, he gave them another $100,000 to furnish the place. It's incredible. And again, this is the big holiday in money, right? And so Dutch McCool, a man of very, very, very meager beginnings, becomes a state baseball player and alum, and then gives close to a million dollars back to the university in a really short period of time that really changed the trajectory of a lot of things. But you look at what he did for Mississippi State baseball, and he didn't stop there. You know, he continued to help Paul Gregory and, and was very generous with his money in Mississippi State for years and years and years. But I'm struck by his generosity at a time in 1972. And what's so funny, too, it was such a fortuitous thing. He had no idea that Dr. Giles was having this difficulty with the state legislature and the IHO board. Had no clue. Just out of the blue, he just picked up the phone and said, goes, hey, you know, I've always appreciated the quality of the education I got at Mississippi State, and I want to do something. I want to give something back. How's half a million bucks? It's incredible. I mean, it's just one of those things that's part of the great Mississippi State story that just, you know, of his own volition, this is, you know what, I want to do something great for my alma mater. I've been very blessed in my life. I've, I've advanced my life, and a lot of it is because of the fact that I got an education at Mississippi State. So let me do what I can to help Mississippi State to educate future business leaders. It is an incredible story. You can look up some of those facts yourself. 
If you're looking for Dutch McCool, it won't work as well. But look for Barney McCool, Holiday Inn, Mississippi State, something like that. And you can find there's an interview with Dr. Giles that's out there online, which is so great about the Internet. There's a lot of things that I researched a year ago that now, a year later, that there's more articles that have been kind of archived. So there's more things that you can find out there online. And this is one of them. This is one of those things that's popped up here recently. And I'm just amazed by it. It makes me so proud, too, to be affiliated with those kinds of people. Somebody that was so savvy in business that they built their fortune up to the point that they could basically build a business school here at Mississippi State that our students today still enjoy. And it was one of those state-of-the-art facilities. I mean, it was like, I don't know what it looks like today, but when they built it, there wasn't anything better around here. It wasn't even close. And it was something the university was very, very, very proud of. And so... Dutch, Barney, thank you. On behalf of a grateful Mississippi State fan base, thank you. All right, so if you're looking for books, you can find them at alphadogsthebook.com. You can get copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. I'll personalize them however you want. It's always great when you guys let me know you got them. I appreciate that. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find that at great bookstores anywhere. If they don't have it, they can get it rather easily. If you don't care about supporting your local bookstore, that's your decision. You can go to Amazon.com and you can order the book directly there. It won't be signed, but they'll send it to you. It's also available as an ebook on Kindle and Nook, which is a first for me. We've never done that before. This new publisher that I use, that's what they're doing. It's also uh, still on the bestseller list in Mississippi, which is very, very amazing to me. You know, a little over two months later, it's still on the list, and I want to thank you guys for that. Uh, it's a very personal book. I worked very hard on it. I will probably do something like that again. I don't know if we do it next year or the next, but we'll do something. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. Uh, this is supposed to be my year off, and they ended up writing two books. I might need to rest some next year like, and watch, like, sit around and watch Netflix for about 10 hours a day, just let my mind rest a little bit. But uh, this new book, Dogpile, has been such a labor of love. And as I've shared with you guys before, you know, the hope was is to have it out to you guys in late October. I've got my finger crossed that fingers crossed that, that may happen, but we're looking really more like an early November release. And as I get that information, I will share it with you. Let me re-emphasize to you as well. I talked to my agent a couple days ago. And so not only are we preparing for you guys to pre-order, we're already getting pre-orders from bookstores. There are already bookstores that are reaching out saying, hey, we got to get a big order so when you guys do your initial order, we're going to need X number of books. And so people are already beginning to make their plans to stock those books. But you can't depend on that. And listen, I want, to, I want everybody that carries the book to make a ton of money and everybody very happy with this production. But in order to make sure you get a book, especially if you're somebody that lives out of state, you need to pre-order. You need to pre-order to make sure you get it. Because they're gonna, that's going to be the only way to really guarantee you get a book. Because once they hit the bookstores in Mississippi, we don't have any control over that. There are bookstores now that I know they're already beginning to hear from some of you saying, hey, put me on your list. Because i got to make sure I get this book. And I'm very, very proud to hear those sort of things. So the link, and things got pushed back a little bit this week. But uh, they actually asked them to make a change on the cover. Because I wasn't happy about one small thing. They're going to fix that, so we're going to release the cover, and then we're going to do the link for the uh, the pre-orders. My hope is it's next week. I know I've said that for two weeks in a row, but I'm kind of dependent on other people to get that stuff done. And so I'll start whipping the mules a little bit this weekend, see if we can't go ahead and get that done. Because, listen, 
you know, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. And, um, you know, you buy this book around the first of September, you know, you know, about six to eight weeks later, hopefully you have a book. Dogpile. It's been an incredible journey. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit tired. I am. <laughs> I am. That's a lot of writing in a short amount of time. But um, I'm very, very proud to do this for you guys. And uh, your support means more to me than I could ever share. And one more thing I'll share with you before I go. I got a phone call today from Scott Foxhall, and I'll be interviewing Scott, um, you know, briefly about a couple things for the book. But um, Scott shared with me, he goes, you know, Steve, he said, uh, it's amazing how happy everybody is. I said, yeah, it really is. And he goes, you know, I almost wouldn't have wanted to know how happy everybody is because if we had known how wonderful all this would be, and it would be so much better than we ever imagined. We probably would have tried too hard and might have even messed it up. And so he said everywhere he goes, everybody is just smiling. And anybody that recognizes him is like, you know what, thank you, coach. Thank you for this. Because we've, we've all waited for this for so long, and we deserve it so much. And I've read so much out there online sometimes that, uh, you know, there's just some people that always kind of had a negative slant that, you know, I, just, I can just see a change in their countenance. And there's some other people out there that are always going to be miserable. It's like we win an AFL championship. Well, what are we going to do next year? Well, let's worry about it. Let's enjoy this for a while first. But, uh, you know, talking with Scott, too, you know, I was kind of burned out, to be honest with you. Really burning the midnight oil. Worked about 17 hours on uh, one chapter yesterday. And, uh, you know, Scott's like, you know, Steve, just want to appreciate you being along for the ride and, and uh, your coverage of Mississippi State baseball. And sometimes that's all you need to hear. You know, sometimes that's all you need to hear is to get some words like that from somebody that you respect and admire. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to be in the position that I'm in. I never take it for granted. And uh, I can't wait. I've watching watched the uh, game three with Vanderbilt again tonight. And I, I was watching the crowd and watching all you guys out there chasing foul balls. And I was like, man, I cannot wait for us to be back there. I wish we could go now. I've got such great memories of that place. Both times that I have gone have been incredible. If you've never been, plan to go. Go ahead and make a commitment now. Start putting some money aside, whatever you got to do. When the Bulldogs go back to Omaha, we all got to go together. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you next week. We'll recap uh, Saturday's scrimmage. We'll have a chance to watch that. Hopefully everybody gets out of that thing healthy. That's, that's, our biggest, that's our biggest goal, right? Let's get out of the weekend healthy. And we'll talk about that on Monday. And the next thing you know, man, it's uh, two weeks. Two weeks, man, we're playing football. Cannot wait. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.